I mean, he's, he's, he's got some balls. He, I think he, he can tell it the way I know. I know you don't like to hear this word, but I didn't. I didn't think of anything else. Sorry, I'm French, and uh, I just think that uh, he kind of wears his emotion. He wears the, his pride, and see, you can you can see like uh, he's got so much pride, uh, so much passion in, into everything that he does. And, uh, he's, he's so fun to play for, and uh, he made he made a big decision, and it worked out. Well, a French word for balls. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Welcome to episode four of the Sports Plus podcast. We got Mike Bush, Craig Muller, Frank Cusimano. I'm Corey Miller in. That was David Perron right after game six talking about his coach, Craig Berube, who made some line changes that definitely paid off. He was talking specifically about playing Sammy Blay there today. Perron, uh, excuse his French. <laughs> <laughs> likes likes the uh, the guts on on his coach to to change some things up and it paid off. First thoughts maybe on that game six win. That's <laughs> what I just looked it up. The balls. The balls. The testicles. What do you guys think? Game six. Well, I do think the coach deserves a lot of credit. That was a pretty gutsy move. Not that Robbie Fabry is a superstar, but the kid hasn't played since March twelfth. Scores a you know breakaway goal. And it's, boy, that was a thing of beauty. Yeah. Just to watch that shot, it was. You don't just see that so, very often. No. just pulling up from that and, far. Yeah, out. and he did kind of slow down, and I think that kind of distracted Bishop because then he had to account for Riley coming in. Oh, Riley was on the right side. Just think, you you haven't played in two months, and you have the MVP on your right on a two on yeah. one. No, I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like his yeah, guts, too. Yeah. yeah, So the first thing, I mean, I think the big thing going forward for Game 7, how is this Ben Bishop injury going to change things? Well, if you listen yeah, to Coach Montgomery. He doesn't think it's anything? He I know he, wants to, go to get, he yeah. wants to go get x-rays. And they took him out, he said, um, because of the other goal being scored. I, I think he, there's no way in the world he yeah. doesn't show up and play Tuesday night. For sure. He's a hockey player. I mean, he, I mean, remember, they, they didn't take him out after the injury. I mean, he stayed yeah. in. They looked at him. The trainer looked at him. And then he stayed in, and, and it was after Blaze shot yeah. that they decided. I mean, it's a 4-1 game at that point. They decided to take him out. So yeah. he, he was going to stay in that game because he felt they were still in it until that shot. All right. As a Blues fan, did anybody – even for a minute, feel bad about Bishop getting hurt? Because I did. I was like, St. Louis guy, you hate to see him, but the Blues sure needed that moment. About half a second. You just said that much? Yes. I mean, I don't want him in (laughs) No, of course not. I don't mind him, you know. St. Louis guy. I mean, you know. Here's, you got to give credit to the Blues because sometimes when someone goes down like that, the play just kind of stops. They kept going. The referee didn't blow the whistle. And Alexander I think it was Steen, Steen was yeah, the one who threw it in yeah, there. Yeah. And so, I mean, I just think the, the way they reacted was really good. I mean, you know, he'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, it was not a, you know, a life-threatening injury yeah, or anything yeah. like that. The way he he'll went be down, fine. He looked Dallas. like he was shot. Yeah. yeah. Thinking, like, but if you watch the replay, I mean, you saw it hit his collarbone. Yeah. So you thought, okay, well... I mean, he'll have a bad bruise, but that's about it. I mean, I'm to the point. I'll take a bad call. I'll take somebody getting hurt. I'll take yeah, whatever right. I can. Listen, we've to... been waiting a long time. <laughs> we'll take any break we can get. So but I think we can all answer your next question oh, yeah. with the same answer. <laughs> Would you rather get hit by a Jordan Hicks fastball or... Colton Pareko slap shot. I'll take the slap shots. <laughs> would you really? really? I would take See, Hicks. I, I don't want to get hit by Jordan. I think I'd take the, the baseball. I mean, So would I. Yeah, you've worn a baseball. You want uh, a frozen never chunk Never 104. Of, well, what's, all it right. probably depends on where you're and getting you're hit. Well, you're padded in hockey. What? You, no, 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 no. You're taking it in the stomach. You flex it up. Okay, you release the, the washboard abs, and you take it right in the stomach. <laughs> which one are you taking? 
What's Perico well, shooting uh, at? Jordan I mean, Hicks what kind of speed? Sure Jordan Hicks is over 100. It's over 100. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Plus, I mean, what's the distance? But I, but I would say a hockey puck is a little softer than a baseball. It's frozen. Uh, it's frozen it's solid. It's a little softer. It's uh, rubber. What an erudite topic we have here. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you. I, yeah, you've worn a baseball. How about neither? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the yes, of course. Uh, so heading into Game Seven, uh, this the podcast is going to come out next week. Uh, so it'll be all. all we we'll already know the results. Let's first go. If the Blues lose Game Seven, is this a successful season or not? I think. Considering where they were in January, you have to call it a successful season. That's not to say that if they do not go to the conference finals at this point, that people will not be extremely disappointed. Sure. There is just the vibe that this, this, there's something special happening here. For them to be the worst team in the league on January 3rd, I think it was, and to be in this position where they're going to a game seven to go to the conference final, I think there's just a feeling. Uh, uh, among Blues fans and and even among just NHL observers, that something special is going on. Here. Yeah, and it, you've, I agree with that. And then you factor in that almost every key player on the Blues team is either in their prime or about to get into their prime. And finally, there's a goaltender. You have no doubt in your mind moving forward. You're going to be set between the pipes for sure. I think Barubi's pressed all the right buttons. It's been a lot of fun to watch, and it's been exciting. You know, it would be, to Mike's point, a huge disappointment, though. I mean, huge you know, it, it, you can't say that it hasn't been successful. People are now interested in the city's on fire again compared to where we were in January, you know, December. But what a disappointment if they don't. Yeah. So say they win, they'll be taking on the Sharks or the Avalanche. Sharks are up 3-2 to two in that series. Who we talked about this well, stars and Preds. San Jose. That's yeah. That's what and I'm Martin Jones, question. who is really mediocre throughout the regular season. It's just crazy how all of a sudden the postseason starts and he's just been you know Gump Worsley. And, and, and the Blues' relationship with the Sharks never good. No, they always go out there and lose. I would say hey, an Avalanche Blues Western Conference Finals oh, would would be fun yes. if it goes the right way. If it goes the wrong way. <laughs> Yeah, and no, I, I'd the, like to stick it to somebody. I wonder who that person would be, Frank. I was waiting Frank. for Frank to bring this up. Is he involved in hockey? I don't even know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so Mr. Which, which is the one? Is the Nuggets the one where his son technically yeah. runs it because yes. he's not allowed to or something right. like that, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cross ownership the 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 NFL. That's yeah, we won't want anything they, they don't sketchy with the NFL. Come on. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some Cardinals real quick. Seems like... The fan base every day, oh my gosh, Cardinals next day. Oh, we trade everybody, it's all terrible. These last four games have been down for sure, especially yeah. this first series with the Cubs. Uh, what are you guys taking away from this I last week hate, or so? I just I can't stand losing to the Cubs. It just seems like, <laughs> all right, the Cardinals are on a roll. You know, they took they, they beat Washington two out of three, then they come into Chicago. And there's just this Cubs swagger that's just so annoying. It just really ticks me off. <laughs> well, you know, I think what's fascinating is, like we talk about in this NHL playoff series, it's not real complicated. Whichever goalie plays better, the team usually wins. In this series, sometimes I think it's like whatever superstar steps up, and Rizzo has stepped up and been the key factor, and you thought it would be Goldschmidt. So I know it's a lot more complicated than that, but... If their best two players are the best players on the field, Brian and Rizzo, and our two best players are not, then we're going to lose. The other big thing with the Cubs, real quick, is no one factored at all 
that this bullpen would be so great. Right. That's why the Cubs are where they are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it started off terrible. They were like four and nine through the middle of April, and then they've just been on a roll here yeah. to end it. Craig, you got something to say? Now, you know, I was just thinking about when you were talking about the superstars who's stepping up, and I'm thinking about Carp and Goldschmidt, and you know, they've both been struggling for a while. Now, Goldie's two for two tonight as we tape this, and he, yeah. you know, had a couple hits, I think, last night, and Carp finally had a big multi-hit game, so maybe those guys are really turning it on, but thus far, the Cardinals have been successful in spite of two of their biggest bats really not being as productive as maybe some folks were hoping and planning on. So, uh, Mike? No, I, I was just going to say, you know, um, th- th- we're still in early April, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the hope is that uh, we're going to play the Cubs a bunch of times this year. The hope is that this swagger that we see, the Cardinals will get some of that. So the interesting <laughs> thing is, out of the last 10 games of the season, the Cardinals play the Cubs seven times. Yeah. Right. It could all come down to that, which I that's going to be fantastic drama, I think. Think about this, too. Like, for the last maybe three or four years, if you were, like, picking players on each team, like, to start one team, you would take... Uh, you would take Bryant, you would take Rizzo, and you take Bias. You would name at least three Cubs before you got to a card. But now you can't do that yeah. because of Paul Goldschmidt. And with the way Marcelo Zuna is playing, he may creep into that. How about Paul DeYoung? Paul DeYoung and DeYoung's Bias. right there, yeah. too. Yeah. They yeah. no longer have the best and players. Sneaky, sneaky good season. I know it's early. Here it comes. But how about some love for Dexter Fowler? Oh, I mean, he, sure. is, he is producing, well, got another hit tonight, and he's— he, That leads into my next, my next point here. What would your starting outfield be right now? I have a— Tyler O'Neill hit two home runs in Memphis today. Of course he did. Well, he, uh, he's the master I mean, of Triple A pitching. Babe Ruth yeah. of Triple yeah. A. Who would yeah. your starting outfield be right now? You've got Cardinals? it. I mean, o- Ozuna, Fowler, and Martinez in right. You know, and Bader yeah. as much of a spark as he produces, you don't put that bat in over any of those other bats right now. He can I mean, play every day, but he's the three at bats go to Jose Martinez. Yeah. For sure, I agree. And Jose, I mean, I think he just, what, he hosed uh, Chris Bryant yeah. going first to third last That's night. Real. He's making good catches. The the man's got a gun. So we know that, and the more reads he's getting, he's working with Willie. I like it. I like it. Let's move on to a, a fun uh, little topic here at the end. I can't go on, I can't watch ESPN or do anything without them talking about the Giants and Daniel Jones, it appears, the quarterback from Duke who they took in the first round. It got me to thinking, what are some of the worst first-round draft picks you guys remember from the Rams days here in St. Louis, and maybe even going back to the Big Red days too. Oh, I've got a <laughs> I've got a good Clyde list Duncan, here. But... Uh, Kelly Stoffer. Oh my God! They drafted oh my, a girl. Oh my God! They drafted a girl. I mean, God the, bless Steve Pizarquitz. He was a 15th pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean there were a whole bunch of bad uh, draft picks for for the Big Red. But this is a pretty good list with the Rams: Phillips, Greg Robinson, Jason Smith, and unbelievable too is offensive tackles, second pick in the draft, and they were both. Bust. Now, Robinson has found a little bit of success, but he was a bust. Well, look at some of these names taken after Greg Robinson, especially. Khalil Mack, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks. They could all have been Rams, but no, they took Greg Robinson from Baylor. Who, Auburn, yeah. Uh, from, or Greg Robinson was from, oh yeah, Robinson was from Auburn. Jason Smith was from Baylor. Yeah. Rob- I, I, I haven't followed it as much since the Rams left. H- hasn't Robinson become a pretty good player now? He's found a little bit of uh, success in Cleveland, and he got another contract. Yeah. So. Of course, the Rams, the St. Louis Rams miss out on that. Do you guys remember Eric Crouch? Oh, yeah. 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 What was the vibe on him coming in? Do they think he'd be able to... Well, Mike Smart's well, trying to be too smart. Yeah. So yeah. would make him a wide receiver. Right. I they, forgot about They said he was a great athlete, and they thought he he's not going to play quarterback in the NFL, but this guy can do everything, and we're going to... I mean, they always tried to 
kind of do that. See, yeah. when Belichick does it, it ends up to be Julian Edelman. Yeah. yeah. When the Rams do it, it was Eric Crouch. <laughs> Ty Hill, I was always, I mean, one of the fastest oh guys God. I've ever seen, but he just, I mean, he was oh, terrible. He, first of all, he he's probably Spud Webb's size. I mean, he was like five six five seven. He had the worst hands of all time as a cornerback. <laughs> and then, you know, I guess he could run a little bit. That's why he was drafted high. Yeah. But wow, was that bad. Trung Candidate was another guy I, that, that came March. up oh, when yeah. I was looking. Mm-hmm. March trying to be too smart, drafting a running back when yeah. they desperately needed defense. Now, that is a case where Mike Martz was a brilliant, brilliant offensive coordinator. He was so smart. And then when you start giving them power, they think they're smarter than they actually are. He knew how to run an offense. What's wrong with that? That's fantastic. He was great at it. Uh, the, the the drafting thing, not so much. Yeah. The problem was, too, Mike, and you were there a lot, is that John Shaw, who was a president of football operations, spent his time in L.A. So when Martz got too big, nobody could tell Martz, oh, you don't have more power than Jay Zygmunt. You don't have more power than Charlie right. Army. And it came a big power struggle. Right, and then it became a soap opera. Yeah. Then yes. every day we were talking about the relationships between Mike Martz and Jay Zygmunt as opposed to what's going on on the field. So you go out and you get Fisher to come in, and everything's perfect in St. Louis, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Oh, no? That worked out really well, too. <laughs> Where do you guys come down on Tony Banks? <laughs> what, what do you mean? We have a he good brought, Sports Plus he, Tony Banks story. He, he, he said Mike demanded Tony Banks on television one night. so we Mike it. demanded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he wanted, we tried to do. So anyway, uh, so I booked him, and they lost that day, and he's down on the landing when people used to go to the landing. And it's like 10.15, and he's not here, and we need him on the air like at 10.35. So I drove down there in a station car, and he had been drinking. And he's, eh, man, I'm not going to do this. I said, Tony, I just started here. You've got to do this. You've got to come. And I'm, like, literally grabbing him by the arm, and we, we got him back here. On, yeah. I don't know if it was a riveting interview. <laughs> I, I remember being at training camp when he brought his dogs. Really? Yeah, he brought his dogs to training camp. Oh. Come on. And then there was the famous Jim Steiner a story, this great sports agent, he represented Trent Green, and when they signed Trent Green, Dick Vermeil was so loyal to all these guys, I don't know why, but, you know, Jim Steiner says right before they're going to go out there with Trent to the press conference, and he said, look, Dick, you're going to say on this press conference that Trent Green is our starting quarterback. And then Green, be- and then Vermeil became indignant, I'm not going to do that, I'm an old school football coach, these guys are going to have to fight for this job. And then Steiner <laughs> says, okay, well then this deal is done. And he told us to Jay Zygmunt, we are not going to sign this contract. It's, we're not going to have this press conference unless he says that. And he eventually said it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, Our, Dick, you have to, I mean, people would run through a wall for Dick Vermeer oh, because yeah. he, was, he was so loyal to his players and sometimes to a fault. Well, that's going to do it for Episode 4 of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.